Coming up on Open Source with Tony Motley. What I think is important to take this feeling to understand that our other brothers and sisters, people of color, experience this every day. And it's ingrained in how our country is built and the policies that we live by. And I think that it's super important for us if we want others to stand up for us and to defend us and to protect us, that we do that for other people of color that deal with this every day. Photographer and branding expert Kimberly Wong is next on Open Source. Kimberly Wong is a photographer, producer, and director with an extensive background in multimedia platforms. But at heart, she's a storyteller. Kimberly, welcome to Open Source. Thank you. I'm so fortunate to be here. Thank you for asking me to be along. I think you're a reluctant guest today. I think I <laughs> twisted your arm and, and, and just shamed you into being here with me today. But we're all locked in, so you have no choice. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm happy to have this time with you. I'm not used to being interviewed like you. I am usually the one interviewing other folks, and that's how we know each other. Well, we don't so want to age ourselves, our time. but we, we, we've known each other a long, <laughs> long time. And uh, that's another story for another another time. But it's, it's a good story. <laughs> but I think I think the, the reason why and I, I, I've said this before, the reason why I've asked you here, uh, number one, you're extremely talented. You, you're doing some creative things, which really falls into the specialty of what this program is about. But also because because you're a woman and I know as a woman in media, there is particular challenges that you've faced and overcome. And so I mean, I want to touch on all of those things as well. But I mean, first of all, you are a photographer now. I, I knew you as a television person, but you're a photographer now. Talk about what you're doing in photography and why you decided to um, change careers, so to speak. I am a photographer now. I started shooting when I was a kid, but uh, what I do now is I use photography to help people solve their challenges, whatever they may be. So that could be um, a business that is having trouble attracting their ideal clients um, because their branding doesn't really match uh, their stature and doesn't communicate who they are and what they do is special. So I'll come in and um, shoot a series of images or photo essays or portraits that really help to share with their audience who they are at the core and why what they do is necessary and important and life-changing for their clients. So that's a big part of my job is really trying to, uh, excuse me, is really trying to help to communicate the story of my clients to the people they're trying to reach because story is everything. Um, that's been the way it, it's, it's always kind of what draws people in is what is your story? Who are you? Where are you from? What is your identity? And I think for me, helping people to kind of distill their story into something that can be shared through imagery and through words is really what I love to do. Um, What's interesting about how I switched careers is that I started off first in advertising many moons ago. Um, I lasted about a year. It really wasn't the uh, field for me at the time. Um, I wanted to, I was really drawn to telling stories that I started in Boston at the uh, local CBS affiliate with a great guy named Don Lowry, who was my first boss. 
But uh, from then on, I worked quite a bit with PBS with you, Tony, at PBS in Detroit, in New York, um, and then worked for pretty much every kind of media company or production company that you can think of, whether it was Martha Stewart or ABC, um, MTV, CBS, kind of Food Network, anyone you can think of, I created programming for. And I did love it because, again, it goes back to storytelling. I think that as an Asian kid, um, having been born in this country to immigrant parents, growing up in Kansas City, where there are very few people like me, I knew that people did not understand who I was. They took one look at me, they made assumptions about who I was based on how I looked. And I think something in me knew that if people just understood my story and my parents' story and didn't create a story for me, that they would understand me better and that my opportunities might be different if they understood that. And I looked around at other people that I knew uh, that were, I think we used to use the word minority. I'm not sure if we use that word as much anymore, but who were back then minorities who were misunderstood. People didn't understand who we are, what our experiences are, or what our dreams were based on how we looked or what they assumed about us. I knew the key was stories. Really, I feel like everybody in this world has a fascinating story if we just sit down and take the time to ask people about what matters to them and what they've been through and how they've conquered the challenges in their lives. So when I was in television, that was really what I did. Even if I was, whether I was working uh, for ESPN and telling the story about um, a world-famous athlete or as working for Martha Stewart, it always came down to what's the story here that matters, that people can connect to? What can they learn from this person's story that will influence their lives in a positive way? And I think that from television to now what I do, primarily photography, it's all about that, understanding people and what they have to share that can then change other people's lives. So, yes, as a photographer, my work ranges from working with corporations that need to communicate with certain communities or to kind of get their message out in a way that feels fresh and authentic, or sometimes shooting portraits for families. I had a client the other day who had a child that was about to graduate from high school and move on to college in a city very far away from them. And they looked around and thought, my goodness, we have uh, thousands of images on our iPhones and not one image that we would be proud to put on our wall that really represents who this being is now, because she's not going to be the same being um, when she goes off to college, she's going to grow and change. And so I was able to create a series of beautiful images that told the story of this young person's life um, that they now have in a beautiful handmade album um, and in beautiful wall art uh, that they can enjoy for generations. So that's what I mean by using photography to kind of solve people's problems. Whatever it is, we figure out how to use imagery and storytelling to kind of get to the heart of what they need in their lives. And so that's what I do. Well, that that's a mouthful. And I, I think you touched on something there and I, I didn't really want to go there now, but I will as a, as a person that's Chinese, Chinese American. And the challenges that you faced, especially now that we've had this, this pandemic, um, you told me some things about your experiences in New York city recently. And I'm wondering, uh, do you want to share some of those ideas with the audience today? Well, you know, it's interesting because, 
I grew up in Kansas City. I have, of course, lived in Detroit um, and uh, D.C. and Boston. Um, and because of my job in television, I have traveled all around the world and to every state in this country. And because I grew up in a place where I was by, you know, nature, the other, I really grew up knowing how to be comfortable um, as being kind of the fish out of water. It's actually what feels normal to me. And so having lived in New York for decades now, um, it's a city that I think can feel pretty imposing to a lot of people that come here. But for me, it's been home. But for the first time in my life, um, New York feels different to me. The world feels different to me in that, um, you know, people uh, of Asian descent have been the targets of bias incidents, um, hate attacks, uh, online, in person. Um, I'm a pretty tough person despite my petite stature. Uh, I typically am not afraid of people or, you know, areas that look different from the neighborhood I live in because I've traveled all over the world and, you know, connected with lots of different people. But I think that um, the administration that we have, the current political climate, has become so toxic that uh, there is a feeling now that we're not quite safe. But more important than that, what I think I want to talk about is that, you know, I think it's so important for, for people in the Asian community to take this feeling that we feel now, which is a feeling of threat and danger and kind of, you know, as Asian Americans feeling that we don't, I don't know that I feel that I don't belong here, but I certainly know that people feel that I don't belong here. Um, that's not new. It's not that I haven't experienced quite a bit of racism in all the places I've traveled to and lived. It's just that the intensity is different and it's endorsed in many ways um, by our top politicians, which is disturbing. Um, but what I think is important to take this feeling and understand that our other, um, you know, brothers and sisters, people of color uh, experience this every day. Um, and, and it's ingrained in, in how our country is built and the policies that we live by. And I think that it's super important for us if we want others to stand up for us and to defend us and to protect us, that we do that for other people of color that deal with this every day. That's kind of what has stood out to me as I walk around the city with my mask on with my boyfriend and we kind of, you know, get the sense of how heavy things feel, not only because, um, well, of the obvious health concerns, but also because people look at me differently now. I mean, again, not that I haven't experienced racism, racism before, but it's different now because it feels endorsed. People feel empowered by an administration that, um, you know, that, that seems to validate their feelings that, that people of color, Mexicans, um, blacks, everyone, that we don't quite belong in this country. I just really feel that it's important for us to uh, stand up for each other day in, day out. Then we won't have the problem in the way that we have it now where all of us feel kind of, contained in our own communities, feeling like we have to defend ourselves, you know? So that's really what I've noticed is, um, you know, not only that sense that things are quite different, but um, I don't like it when I see people from my community sort of blaming other people of color for their 
issues. If I see a video of a person of color attacking an Asian person, I don't want to hear them attacking, you know, other people of color as if that's the problem. We really need to stick together is, is how I feel about it. So that's been an interesting kind of realization um, as we all go through this really difficult crisis. Well, I think right now is is a time of kind of a, a reset of a lot of things that we knew to be normal. And, and I think a time to reflect on our attitudes. I think that um, I'm convinced that we're more alike than different. And um, you and I couldn't be uh, more different, but I think we've been, we've been great friends for uh, 25, I don't know how long, 25 years. So maybe longer. Our differences, <laughs> um, our differences have never really become an issue. And so I think uh, for most people, um, I think there's this false uh, sense of uh, mistreating people based on race or, or color or whatever. That's just it's unnecessary. And, uh, you know, it's really about knowing someone um, and dealing with people because people are really we all pretty much want the same thing. So there's really no reason to do that. But I want I, mean, you I, know, hope that I people agree. Feel safe. Yeah. You know, I agree. And when I think about why we've been friends this long, Tony, I think it's because we share something that's very common for people that came up the way that we did at PBS in particular. Um, I think we both share a curiosity about people. Um, I, I, I think that we both really want to understand what makes people pick. That's why you're such a great um show host. It's why you're a great director, producer, you know, filmmaker. Um, it's, it's why people come to you to tell their stories because you have a great sensitivity to them. And I think that's something that we shared and it's what we talk about. We, when we, we do, talk but, about, the but we care, that are, right? we, we care. And I, I think, yeah, the people are, they matter to me. I think, I think that's, that's true. And I think even what I, I find the things that, that you've like, you did the uh, spread on uh, Miss USA last year. Um, and the pictures were beautiful and the stories that you told about uh, the young women were, were amazing as well. And I think you've that's an added element that you do with your photo spreads a lot where you have these these stories about the, the subjects of these pictures. Um, and I just think that I find you underestimate your ability as a writer. But uh, I think that those things make the pictures more special. It's good. They're good to look at. But often the story behind the pictures and the situation that you may have found yourself in when you took them, uh, it really adds to those um, experiences. Well, thank you. I mean, I think that what was interesting about that project, that was a project that I did for Endeavor Entertainment that uh, produces the Miss USA pageant. Um, And I had that's a subculture, a community that I really didn't know much about. Um, and they brought me on to create a series of images of all 51, 52 contestants um, uh, that participate. And uh, it was, they meant to use those images in the broadcast. So uh, we shot all, all of the contestants. And then the ones that made it to the top 10, they cut those images together uh, along with mission statements that all of the women had about why, how they intended to change the world using their platform if they were to win. And so what was fascinating to me is that people assume that people that participate in pageants are not bright, um, that they're superficial. 
And uh, that's just not the case. The women that I met, they all had a deeper purpose. And in fact, the woman that won, um, Chesley, uh, she has two degrees. She is both an attorney um, and also a, um, uh, I'm sorry, I forgot her other degree. I can't believe I forgot it uh, right now, but she's um, an amazing woman, incredibly strong and a black woman. And I think that she has a lot to tell people about what her journey has been like in this world. And uh, so I really feel like when I approached that shoot, it was what was what we just talked about. It was curiosity. What are these women about? How in a very short amount of time that I have with each one, because we had so many women to shoot, um, how can I kind of tap into who they are, what's essential about them, um, and show the audience something that goes beyond the gown and the makeup and the hair? What is it? You know, I actually had them come to the shoot um, prepared to show kind of to strip away that part that people normally see where they're literally wearing a crown from their pageant, their state pageant, and really see them kind of, uh, you know, as, as uh, grounded human beings. So I really love that shoot, but what I did with them is what I do with everyone I shoot with. When I shoot a magazine feature about the award-winning costume designer from Hulu's Handmaid's Tale, I want to know how does she manage to, to do a job that we're in a field that's so incredibly competitive. You know, she's uh, Anne Crabtree, um, the costume designer. She's half Okinawan. Her mother's from Okinawa, half Southern girl. She grew up in the South um, as a multicultural kid. So for her to make it big in the business, um, in a male-dominated business, is an amazing story. So when I went to shoot with her behind the scenes on the set of The Handmaid's Tale, that was about... What makes her tick? How does she deal with all this pressure? How does she manage this huge staff um, that creates the garments? You know, how does she get close to those actors that wear these garments to understand who they are and how they're going to portray that character? So, again, when it comes to what we do, Tony, it's all about storytelling and curiosity. And that's what I love about what I do. And so when you deal with on a corporate level, we deal with business people and you're dealing with their branding, I think, do they, I wonder, do they understand what their brand is? I know what they've framed it as and how they're trying to market it, but do you find that people under really understand how they're perceived by the, by the public? I, you know, it's interesting. I often find that, um, I, I think it sort of depends on who the client is. Um, I often think that, uh, People that are really close to what they do, which most of us are, we're sort of so inside it that we can't really fully understand how our message is being absorbed or interpreted by the people that we're sharing it with, is that um, sometimes there's too much lingo and how they present themselves, right? They're so used to their sort of internal lingo that when they go to present it to their potential clients, their ideal clients, they don't know how to simplify it to break it down in a way that can be consumed um, fully, you know? Um, so what I try to help them to do is to create a story through imagery and through uh, wording that people can absorb more easily um, that gets to the heart of what they do. So I try to peel away the layers of 
you know, lingo and kind of business speak and find out why are you doing what you do? Why is it important for you? How are you trying to better your client's world or their experiences or improve their lives in some way? Let's get to the heart of what that is. And then let's try to reinterpret it through more simple kind of verbiage and also imagery that tells that story. Because that's really about when it comes to my um, clients that are philanthropic orgs or big corporations or small businesses or artists, or it's always about that. It's getting to their why. Why are you doing what you do? And then let's figure out a way to represent that visually. So because I think that what people need to understand now about their marketing and branding is that without imagery that feels authentic, people will click to another page. If you are kind of trying to present a false image where things look too perfect or they're shot in the studio in a way that everything looks so controlled, it doesn't resonate with people anymore. People are really savvy. Consumers are super savvy. So they're looking for stories that they can relate to, that they can feel, that they can, that are aspirational, that they can sort of connect to on an aspirational level. And so we need to find ways to tell the stories in a way that will create an emotional connection with those people. When you do that, when people trust your story, then they trust you. So that's kind of what I try to, that's the path I try to take my clients through is let's tell authentic stories that people can, can connect with and trust. And then that's how you drop, you know, your ideal clients to you that you're going to love working with and want to work with. So that's the challenge. Do the clients that you have, uh, are they with you there? Are they resisting? How, what's their re- response to that approach to the business? I don't think that they resist. I just think it's new to them. I, I also think that one thing I find, no matter whether it's a large corporation or a small business, is that people have a lot of resistance to kind of revealing to their potential audience or their ideal audience who they are. They feel like, I don't want my team. I don't really want portraits of my team that I don't want to spend too much time on it. I don't really want a photo shoot with myself that kind of shows who I really am, or I don't really want to let people into my world. And I think that's a mistake because I think that when we live in a ready-made world where you can order whatever you want off of Amazon, um, something that's made in a factory somewhere that feels very impersonal. I think that when you aren't willing to show your team and who they are, what their lives look like, or who you are as a founder, and what your world looks like, or what matters to you, um, then I think that you lose the potential to connect with people that otherwise would connect with you if they felt that you were there and human and real and behind the scenes making happen whatever it is that you make happen. I think that people, I think, and, and sometimes that's just as simple as people don't like to have their photograph taken. They don't want their portrait taken. They're not used to it. They're not proud of how they look getting images. And that's why it's super important to work with a photographer um, or if you're shooting video, a videographer or filmmaker that really is sensitive to that, that knows not everyone likes to have their picture taken. And, and in my experience, even people that are used to being photographed that are celebrities, even they don't like it. <laughs> Most people don't like it. So I really encourage people to look for collaborators, um, photographers, filmmakers that get that about you and are sensitive to it and know how to work with you to bring out the best version of you so that you can then share that with your audience. But the most important thing is 
don't be afraid to show who you are, what your process is, um, because that's what will make people feel connected to you. It's what will make people trust you enough to want to connect with you and work with you and collaborate with you. So that's a really key thing. If, if there's any resistance I get from people, it's really working to explain to them that, no, it's a benefit to you to spend this time to shoot these images and to share them with your audience so they can get a sense of who you are. Because isn't that how we make friends and start relationships? We, we feel a sense of trust. And when you can look at an image of someone that you're considering working with and get a sense of who they are and feel like, oh, I see something in that person that I can relate to. Or I feel like that person's going to, you know, hold me, um, you know, to, to, to connect with me in a way that is comfortable with me. Then that's when you reach out and say, let me see, you know, if this will work. Right. So right. that's why right. that's so right. important. I think, uh, too, I, I agree. I think the relationships that you can develop with people um, are important. And I also think what you said earlier about uh, using images that are authentic. I think if you research best practices for Instagram, for example, um, you're, you're told right away, don't use stock images, use authentic images because people, I think the public is smart and I think they relate to what's real. So I think right. that's That's important. Keeping it real is, is important. It doesn't mean that you don't show your best self, but I think people just want to see it in a context that doesn't look, um, fabricated and and that's that's totally absolutely yeah you're you're doing you're you're doing some things right now uh teaching a class uh you're doing some branding from from home and uh i'm just wondering if you can share a little bit about what you're doing and and why you're doing it i am teaching a class for free on zoom it's a, a visual brand storytelling class it's a class that's really meant to help people to understand why for any kind of business, whether it's a nonprofit or a small business, you know, huge corporation, why visual brand storytelling is essential if you want your business to grow, if you want to maintain uh, the client base that you have. So it's really an introductory class. Um, it's ideal for, for, you know, people or organizations that don't understand what visual brand storytelling is or don't know how to employ it. Um, but, uh, at the end of the class, I take questions, which is really my favorite part of the class because it's when people can kind of present to me their unique problems with their businesses and how, and it allows me to kind of offer very tailored advice to them. So I really love it. And when other students in the class can hear the questions, that other people are asking, they learn from that as well. So I, I really love it. I, I decided to teach the class because it, you know, I, I'm surrounded by creatives and other people that are entrepreneurs and um, small business owners. And I think a lot of us have concerns. We don't know um, how deep of a, of a recession we're going to go into. We're concerned about how we will kind of recapture the attention of our potential clients. I think people have a lot of anxiety in general about health, about health and about the health of their loved ones. And my ambition was just to be of service. I feel like right now when people have this much anxiety and they feel so disoriented that we all need to be of service. You're being of service with this podcast. I want to be of service by, you know, offering the class for free to kind of give people projects to work on. So while you're stuck at home, 
You know, you have a business you want to build, how you get that off the ground or how do you improve your marketing and branding right now through visual brand storytelling? Um, I just really wanted to find a way to help people to at least sit with me on Zoom and their, my fellow classmates for an hour and a half and talk about something super constructive and then give them a break, you know? Um, <coughs> excuse me. And if that inspires them to go on and do something really special with their own business, then I'll be happy. I only ask that if people love the class, that they donate to a COVID-19 relief organization. Um, and I send an email after the class with links to very well-vetted major organizations that are providing very important COVID-19 relief. That's all I ask is that people do that. So I love it. It's really fun. And I meet all people that have super interesting businesses of all different kinds. So that's been really great for me too. I'm making friends while I do it. And uh, that's nice when you're stuck in quarantine. This is me, my boyfriend, and our dog in this house. So it's nice, you know, to have those connections. That, it's good that you're doing it. I'm glad to to, uh, to know that you're doing that. You talk about visual brand storytelling. You've mentioned it several times. And give us an example of what you mean, if, if, if you can. Tell us uh, uh, something we may have seen or something that's similar to what you're talking about so we can get an idea of what you what you mean by this. So... It's many things. Uh, visual brand storytelling uh, is, it, you can break it down into different categories. It's photography, it's video, it's infographics, um, it's photo essays, blog posts, it's what you see on Instagram. Um, so it's anytime you're using visuals to communicate who you are, what matters to you, and what your brand is about. Um, so if you take a look at a website, you can employ visual brand storytelling in a lot of ways. You could have beautiful portraiture that, again, natural natural settings, real settings, natural-looking uh, lighting, that sort of thing, of either the founder of a business in action, say, connecting with her clients. Um, so let's say you run a gym for children. So if you're going to employ visual brand storytelling on your website, uh, you're going to have images of you interacting with those kids, coaching those kids. We're going to get a sense of who you are with children. How do you interact with them? We're going to see the smiles on their faces. We're going to see that human connection between you and the people that you serve. So you could be doing that through a blog post um, where you have a series of images, a photo essay where you tell the story over a course of a series of images that really explain to people visually what you do. It could also be, the picture, the, the image that comes up on your landing page that gives us a clear sense of who you are. So uh, visual brand storytelling is many things, but uh, um, I really encourage people to think of all the different ways that they can really be showing people versus just telling through text what they do. So yes, on a website, you could have case studies where let's say you have uh, a business where you... Uh, style people. Um, so maybe you style their clothing. So if that's the case, then you could do a case study on your website where you have a series of images that show how your client's life has been improved by the service that you provided. So maybe you have, um, you know, a young single mother who is, you know, going to job interviews, but she never quite knew how to put herself together. So maybe you do a little photo essay where we get a, a sense of what her life looks like. You know, you see her at home with her kids in her regular clothes 
and kind of take a look at her closet with her. And maybe we see you with her kind of going through her closet and all visual storytelling, right? And then we see her dressed in the, uh, in the garments that you've chosen for her that really kind of, um, you know, show her in her best light when she shows up in an interview. So then you've basically told a visual story with a series of images where we get to see how that person's experience or life has transformed or changed. So there's lots of different ways to use either a series of images or just sometimes one powerful image. So when you look at Instagram feeds that do very well, that connect on a deep level with, you know, millions of followers, they are dominated by beautiful imagery of people in experiencing the world on their terms, you know? So whatever that is, whether it's a fitness instructor, we get to see her, um, you know, uh, what she eats for breakfast. Maybe we'll see an image on that, uh, of that on Instagram of kind of a detail of what she makes for her breakfast to keep her energized. Or maybe it's a video where she's uh, taking 30 seconds to teach her followers what she does um, that uh, brightens her day that gets her ready to teach her classes or whatever it may be. So we can use visual brand storytelling in lots of different forms, whether it's video or photography, um, to really kind of open up to your audience who you are, what matters to you, and what your world looks like. And then again, then we're building trust because people get a sense of who you are and they can kind of relate to you. So that's basically what it is. Great. And I'm glad that you shared that. And so... I guess I just want to really want to say, Kimberly, I really appreciate you being with me, taking a little time to share your stories with me. Tell people how they can see your work. Well, they can go to my website to learn more about me, which is eardog.com, B-A-R-D-O-G.com. That's that's probably the easiest way. And my Instagram is eardogphoto, E-A-R-D-O-G photo, S-O-T-O, eardogphoto is my um, handle on Instagram. And, of course, you can find me on LinkedIn. My middle name is Marie, so often you'll find me Kimberly M for Marie Wong, W-A-N-G. So you can find me on LinkedIn as well pretty easily. So, But can I just say, Tony, I love your podcast. I, I love that you draw people out and get them to share aspects of themselves that they kind of haven't even thought about until you asked about it. So I really value what you're doing and I feel so honored to be on your podcast and uh, I can't wait to hear who else you've talked to and I and to even learn more about what you're doing. So well, I appreciate thank you so that. much. I think um, it's, it's a great experience and it's, I love listening to people's stories. So as you said, the story aspect of it is probably the most important to me. And, um, I just, I really find myself enjoying these, uh, um, conversations with people. Well, nobody doesn't like you, Tony. So I'm, well, I'm I appreciate you and you're biased at me. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. I, I, but I appreciate that. And you're, you're a great <laughs> supporter and, and I really do. I really do thank appreciate you. it. I'm just, thank you for, for spending a little bit of time with us. And this has been open source with Tony Motley and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Open Source with Tony Motley is a production of Duet Digital Media and McLaughlin Media.